0: It is time for Mac Geek Cab and listener Tony brings us our quick tip of the week. He says, when you're in Safari, and actually this works where you're typing text too, if you highlight currency, and this is on your iPhone, we can't we haven't found this to work on the Mac yet, but maybe there's a way. Uh but on your iPhone in Safari or just in a uh text that you've entered. If you highlight a price that is not in your currency, so if you, you know, for me, if I I live in the U.S., so I, I my currency is standardized on dollars. If I put like four hundred and thirty eight pounds or something and then highlight that text, just like I was going to copy or paste it, that little menu to cut copy and paste floats up above the text that I've that I've highlighted. Scrolling to the right on that menu, when you go two steps to the right, or two screens to the right, two scrolls to the right. I don't know what the right way to say it is. Whatever it is, you will see the currency translated to your local currency right there. And that works highlighting it in Safari. It also works uh, just highlighting text you typed. If it's in messages, the currency will actually have a little underline. You can float over it and it'll show it to you right there just by long pressing on it. So more tips like this plus... Your questions answered today on Mac Geekab 975 for Monday, April 3rd, 2023. Uh-oh. Welcome to Geekab, the show where you send in tips like that and we share tips like that. You send in your questions. We answer your questions. Sometimes we have questions of our own that we try to answer. And we sometimes, but probably won't have time for it today, we share your cool stuff found and our cool stuff found so that we can learn about all the new tech and, well, cool things that we have found. Really original name for that segment, but it seems to have stuck. The goal in doing all of this is that every single one of us learns at least five new things. Every single time we get together, sponsors for this episode include Clean My Mac X. Uh, This is one of my favorite utilities, and you can get uh, 5% off at MacPaw.app slash MacGeekGab. We'll talk more in depth about that in a little bit. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Brock. In here, in, I think, Lee, New Hampshire. I have no idea where
2: I am right now. <laughs> no, I'm home. <laughs> it's Pilot Pete. I've been on the road all week. i haven't I, trying to catch myself.
0: <laughs> uh, I was actually surprised when you said John F. Braun today. John, I, I knew it was you. Like, we even do this on video, so I'm looking at you. I heard you say here in Fairfield, Connecticut, and I was expecting you to say, Pilot Pete, I was taken aback when you said John F. Braun. I don't know what that says about my mental state, but it does not bode well for the future of this particular episode. I'm just going to say, <clears throat> just going to Isn't that
2: say. like picking up a drink and expecting Coke and getting water or something? You know, it's like, yeah.
0: Or oh, getting no, milk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, wow. Super different. Yeah. Like <laughs> warm milk instead of ice cold Coca-Cola. I it at all. That's right, yeah. It All was, right. Yeah, Let's talk about job. the Finder,
1: guys. That's a good idea. Um, Aaron has uh, some shortcuts to make your life easier. Um, if a Macintosh window has a title, like the Finder window, then you can usually command-click on it to see the path. Um, in the Finder, you can also use command-up-arrow and command-down-arrow to transverse the hierarchy. It's one of those... What did you do? Keystroke commands. Also command double click on a folder will open the folder as a tab in the finder oh. and command option. Double click will open the folder as a new window.
0: I didn't know about the command double click to do the tab that I got. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe. And finally, maybe I did. I don't know. Sorry.
1: Keep going. Yes. And then finally, in the open dialog, you can grab a file or folder from the finder and drag it into the open dialog to have the dialog jump to the dragged file or folder directory.
0: What? Oh, I had no idea. that. Yeah,
1: it's... A- Huh. Yeah, I knew about I knew about that one.
0: Oh, I, don't I use it not. that
1: often because I use default folder.
0: Right, right. Yeah, same. That's probably why I did not know about that one. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. So, so if you you have an open save dialog, and then there's a Finder window sort of in the background, you can grab a file or folder and just drag it on top of the open save dialog, sort of from the background to the foreground, if you will, and then mm-hmm. that that is that how it works and then it will auto navigate you to that is that right as far as i know yeah wow all right yeah that's cool okay all right yeah huh interesting 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 uh let's see i've got one from uh pc unix in our discord channel who shared he says um i didn't know that you could share individual reminder lists and you can uh and he says when i realized this i was very happy because my wife makes pickup stuff lists on post-it notes and then loses them in her handbag she uses notes on her phone very well but uses that for so many other things that she can never find her pickup list so she creates a new one so confusing uh but yeah you can share and even better assign reminders uh to other people. So you, once you've shared the reminders list, then, uh, so you, you know, you, you pull up the reminders list, you share it, right. And this is in reminders, not in, I don't know. It's you share the list and then you can assign a reminder in a shared list. So if like the three of us had a list together of shared reminders, we could assign them to one another. So it was like, Oh, okay. This one's for John. This one's for Dave. This one's for Pete. Uh, I had no idea of any of this. Apple's got a support article that we'll link to in the show notes at macgeekab.com or mgg.fm slash 975. Cause that'll bring you right to the notes for this show. But, uh, well, I had that no assignment. That assignment ability is huge, right? I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. I, I wonder how, yeah. Um, in also in reminders, when I updated to macOS 13.3 this week and then launched reminders, to be fair, this might be the first time that I've launched reminders since I ran Ventura, because I generally since I installed Ventura, since I generally don't use Apple's reminders app, I use BusyCal to manage my calendar and reminders. So it's possible, but it says you can pin your favorite list. You can create reminders templates. Uh, so if you didn't know about those things either, well, there they are. So thanks for that, PC Unix. Yeah, the whole sharing. I, like, this is a paradigm I need to sort of wrap my head around, this sharing of reminders. That's, um, yeah. Yeah, cool stuff. Or quick tips. But it is cool. They are cool quick tips. All right, John, take us to Keith.
1: All right. Keith has another tip, courtesy of
0: his kids,
1: sort of. You may already know that the S-Lady can stop alarms. Hey, S-Lady, stop the alarm. One day
0: I that's found new, that by the way, we ranted about that on this show a couple of years ago where you could set an alarm with S lady, mm. but you had to touch your phone to stop it. Thank goodness they fixed that. They must well... have been listening. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Thank you. Apple.
1: So one day I found that one of my girls had left her alarm on during a day off from school and she wasn't turning it off. So I went to her room and I said, hey, S lady stop the alarm assuming that her phone would respond. However, instead, I heard Siri on my phone say, would you like to turn off um, the alarm? Uh, A dialogue box was on the screen to confirm or not. I confirmed and it turned off her alarm. I did some experiments later and found that you can simply respond with yes or no. Furthermore, instead of saying stop, you can also say snooze. One thing that I haven't tried to do is that, to do this when more than one phone alarm are going off at the same time. I sort of think that you could say stop person's alarm to stop a specific one or possibly all to stop them all. Oh,
0: that would be interesting.
1: I also assume that this would only work with those who are on your family plan. Perhaps there are other family plan tricks associated with Siri as well.
0: Yeah, I've never run into that. Uh, but it, I mean, it makes sense because we're on a family plan. We share, well, we share with six people. You don't share a family plan with your parents, John? No. Because you can have six people on your plan and it makes that Apple One subscription uh, cheaper. Way cheaper. <laughs> exactly. Because we, because we have the four of us, well, I mean, really only two of us live in my house now. We're basically empty nesters. Uh, you know, our son lives across the state doing an internship over in Keene. And then our daughter lives in Italy, but we're still part of the same family plan. And, uh, and then we also have my dad and his wife on the plan. Cause you can have up to six and why wouldn't you just, you know, they, you, you share the same iCloud storage pool and then everybody gets Apple TV plus and all of that stuff. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I wonder if if probably not, if you could set somebody else's alarm, like if I could say, <sighs> Hey, yes, lady set my uh-huh. son's alarm. Because um, he didn't
0: set it when he went to bed. But ha- hang that on. could play havoc. <laughs> hang on. Let me let me try something here. Uh okay Yeah. Hey Mute Siri, so set Lisa's alarm. Eleven oh five AM Let's see. No, it set my alarm. Oh, yeah. and it named it Lisa's. So the oh, answer yeah. is no. You cannot. Okay. And my apologies to everybody whose phone knows my just, voice.
2: Just set an alarm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it I like it, Siri's pretty good with with ignoring voices that aren't you. Like even my son and I, who right. sounds quite similar, uh, rarely can we trigger one another's uh, stuff. So yeah. So yeah, interesting. So no, you can't set alarms for other people. That's. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if the phone. If it's using some sort of proximity detection to to make sure that I'm not turning off the alarm for, say, my daughter, who's in Italy, when none right. of her devices are here, even though we're on the same family plan. Like, I, I wonder that could wreak real havoc. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. So if anybody knows feedback at MacGicub we'd love to know that. But really quick tips. If you have them, that's how these got here or that or our dot slash discord. So send them in. We'd love to hear. Nice feedback.
2: At MacGeekApp.com. No, John, I clearly heard him say feedback at MacGeekApp.com.
0: Pete, what did Tim say?
2: Uh, Tim actually gave us a twofer, as it were. So he was listening to show 973 and he wanted to further expand on two things. The first one was talking about the path bar in Finder. Um, Just so you know, if if you don't have uh, in Finder your path bar showing, you can hit alternate command P and it'll show the path bar. It will also hide it if you're already showing it. When you selected a file in the Finder window, right-click on the file icon in the path bar, and the default copy option is to co- copy its path name. With loads of external drives, I've used this feature combined with the Paste app to copy file path names. So wherever it is, I happen upon something I've been looking for. I, I now have that location in the Paste app, history that is synced to iCloud. My workflow use case is, isn't at the tip the additional, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm screwing the reading up here. Uh, my workflow use case isn't the tip, the additional path bar file right-click is the thing. So that's it, yeah. So the, the file right-click, and I've actually found, well, you, if you need to change, say, directories in terminal, that makes it a whole lot easier. Click on that, get your path, and paste that into terminal, and yeah. it makes it easier to change right to that drive and path that you want to go to.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So having the path at the bottom of the finder and really you pick whichever,
2: uh, click on, click on a file in finder yeah, and, then and look at the path at the bottom and right. Click on that file name. And it, and it, you have the option to copy the entire path. copy as path file. name, but yeah. you can also and go up go left, the chain.
0: Right. As yeah. You, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. As you go left, you can go anywhere in that path and grab that portion thereof and, and go from there
0: interesting and what's that put on my clipboard okay so yeah it's just like a a a terminal usable path right there on my clipboard yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. slick and then um and then the other one came from a a problem that you may recall that i had which was i had a buried unread text message and man i could not find it yes he said if you have an unread text that is showing the red badge in mac os with the messages open right click on the messages app in the dock and then right click on the right click menu will show what or who the unread text is from and you can select it from that menu and go directly to that text
0: Oh, well, i have some work to do after uh after the show i have five messages over there that i hadn't i knew about one of them so okay there you go yep
2: one of them may be me telling you i was going to be late back no, to the show that. because my coffee maker wasn't playing nicely
0: yeah well you were flying all night too you need that coffee today i Pete. do indeed yeah all right uh, Wait, real, before you go no, i put it in more? our discord live
2: check that video i sent you guys one of the most active thunderstorm cells i've ever seen it's in yeah. our discord live chat
0: yeah i'll put it uh i'll put a link For, to the uh discord yeah. live chat in uh it, right here in the show there you go 25 yeah. seconds of unbelievable lightning yeah uh, yeah i was i was blown away when you texted us that video that was uh that was impressive man yeah all right john take us to paul i'm gonna take us
1: to paul um Dave and John suggested to intentionally call using FaceTime audio when calling people internationally. Why not just do that all the time and make it your favorite? It's not speed dial. It's favorite. When you add someone, you can select to call them via FaceTime or Teams, cellular, or other apps.
0: It's true. Yep. Yep. I did. I as soon as his tip came in, I changed my daughter's, I removed my daughter from favorites cause I had like her cell number in there and I added her uh, with her FaceTime audio. And now that's what's in my favorites by default. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. So,
2: you know, I, I haven't done it in a long time cause I usually either do FaceTime or Skype or something like yeah. that. But so does mint mobile charge for, for so you know, that, international calls? The,
0: well, yes. I mean, if, if I were to call my daughter's, italy number like she doesn't have a u.s number anymore she has okay. a, a, a you know that that 11 euro month sim card in italy right. the their the, eSIM. e-sim but Didn't it gets send us one <laughs> yeah exactly it gets her 150 gigs of data and unlimited voice and unlimited sms so yeah uh so if i were to call that number yes i would pay it, like the international long model. distance charges whatever you're supposed yeah. to call it yeah exactly yeah. so yeah so we just facetime audio but uh i to to answer paul's uh rhetorical question why not just do that all the time i don't want to do that with everyone because i pay for my data and i have a I, I, I you know i only buy a limited amount of data per month so i don't want my default calls to be using that data obviously if i'm calling my daughter even if i'm on if i'm on wi-fi none of it matters of course but uh but if i'm on cell data and look Audio doesn't burn a ton of data. It really probably in the end would make zero difference to me, but that's why I don't do it. So, but yeah, that's a pretty good one, John. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Who's next on the, uh, on the old quick tips here.
1: Uh, I think we have Nick, uh, and we, we actually tried this, um, in pre-show, um, It is possible to attach a Memoji sticker directly to a message rather than sending it as a unique message. This works on both Mac and iPhone. Um, But uh, I do not have an iPad to test this with, but because Messages is universal-ish. Universal-ish.
0: Say that ten times (laughs) (laughs) fast. I
1: would expect it to work there as well. To do this, bring up the Memoji Messages app, Find the emoji you want to send. Press and hold on the one you want, and then drag it to the specific message. You can also stack multiple stickers on the same message. You can change the size once placed uh, during placement as well by pinching or pulling. Um, by pinching or pulling it. Okay. Yeah. And we uh, verified this in pre-show. Yeah. It, now, it, at so first, I, presume- I was like. How do you get rid of it? Um, Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it because I thought holding. uh, Yeah. So you gotta. It's kind of weird. So you gotta hold down if you want to get rid of it. Hold down, then I think it has sticker details, and then swipe to the left, and you'll have the option to delete it. So.
0: Yeah, you right it on the phone. Uh, you hold down on the on the emoji, Memoji, uh, and then, yeah, you're on the message, sorry. And then you get that menu of options, and one of them is sticker details. On the Mac, you right-click the message, and you get the same, a uh, similar list, and sticker details is one of the things there. Uh, so you can remove it, but when you remove the Memoji as a sticker, it only removes it for you uh, in our shared chat that we have with the three of us, when I removed it from mine, it remained for the two of you and and the same was true in reverse Perfect. so yeah. yeah yeah yeah
2: and when I first read this, I, I understood it to be like when you're sending a message, but no it, we're talking about reactions, so Dave sends me a message, I can then drag a emoji onto the message he sent me, and it Pops on his screen as a reaction, yes, to it. So yes, that that was uh, what needed to be yeah. clarified, also for me. Appreciate pretty, it's pretty sure,
0: cool. Yeah, it
2: is. Some, yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's fun. He keeps it fun. Um, Ari has a tip for us today that uh, I that I like, although my guess is it would cause issues with Ventura, at least in terms of the way I've been having core audio issues. He says, as parents of a baby who sleeps in our bedroom. We needed a way to be able to watch our shows on my laptop without waking the little one. As you know, you have the option to share audio between two pairs of AirPods on iOS and iPadOS. However, disappointingly, no such functionality exists on the Mac as of yet. The workaround is to pair both pairs of AirPods with my Mac. Then go into audio MIDI setup and create an aggregate speaker tool. He says, I call mine Sharepods. Haha. <laughs> which outputs sound to both sets of buds at the same time. It works pretty okay, he says. But certain services like YouTube TV and HBO Max will freeze or not work when you try to use this. Maybe it's a licensing issue? Oh, huh, that's weird. He says, also, when you turn on the aggregate speaker, you both uh, have the ability to control volume individually on the pods as well as your volume control on the keyboard. Uh, you can only adjust volume through the UI of the browser. Oh, uh, maybe I'm missing this you both lose the ability to control volume individually that makes more sense he says you can only adjust volume through the ui of the browser and this brings it up and down for both pairs of buds simultaneously also it's pretty quirky to get working sometimes requiring multiple pairs and toggles so it's not perfect but it's the best you can get until apple decides to roll out share audio to macOS. so i have some tips for you you could you can go back into audio midi setup and set different output levels for different speakers of an aggregate device, I believe. So I think you can set a relative difference between the two. You could have one louder or quieter than the other, I believe. I haven't tried this with AirPods yet, but but that's worth checking out. And then um, Rogue Amoeba. why can't I remember the name of the app that they have that lets you control the volume? sound source from Amoeba lets you control the volume of devices that don't let you control their volume. So if you installed Rogamiba sound source, and of course I'll put a link in the show notes, then you could control the volume on both pairs with your, and maybe even both devices with, uh, with the keyboard or with the menu option. So you sound source might be the simplest answer to all of your issues there. So uh, try that I, I out. Need, I
2: need a speculation. Go. Let's say you've got two sets of AirPods Pro second gen. The nice thing about those is you can put your thumb on the back of the stem of the AirPod and slide your finger up and down to it, to adjust the volume without having to go to your watch or your iPhone or whatever to change the volume. I'm wondering if that would work.
0: No, I, I think that's, that's what he was saying is it doesn't. Because what that does is it tells the device to change the volume. Change. Gotcha. And since the device, the host device, the computer in this case, right, the Mac. So I probably not, probably yeah. not. But I don't, I can't say for sure. Yeah, it's
2: it's looking at all four AirPods as one.
0: Yeah, it's looking at the aggregate device as the yes. in-use device is, is exactly it. And in fact, okay. the one thing that might not be clear based on the way that I read Ari's thing is once you create that aggregate device, You have to then set that as your sound output device. So you will add it and then a new entry shows up for him. It's called SharePods because that's what he named it. But that then shows up in the, uh, you know, the sound output list. And so you would choose that and then things would go to, uh, to
2: the the system settings. That Uh, is in system uh, settings. (laughs) You're right.
0: Yes. System (laughs) settings. Is that what we call it now? God, I can't even yeah, remember. I used to be preferences. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, now I remember. Sure. Now I remember. All right, we got a couple more quick tips left. John, you want to take us? Uh, you, you want to take us to Alan. both of them? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I had to do some investigation here. So Alan sent in a very short, quick tip. Um, zoom toggle by hitting Option Command Eight. I'm like, okay, let me try it,
0: and I tried it it didn't work. <laughs> okay. This is on your Mac. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that's kind of obvious the, when we the, say keyboard, but I just want to make that clear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Then I did some searching, and I found a dandy little article, Dave, called Mac Accessibility Shortcuts. And it had, had this listed among a whole bunch of others. Um, but this one had a little um, number next to it. You know, it was like footnote two, or, or, and I was like, okay, let me read it. Oh, here's the problem. Uh, To use the zoom shortcut, you might need to turn on use keyboard shortcuts to zoom in accessibility preferences. And sure enough, that option was off for me. So once I turned it on, I was able to do this zoom gesture or shortcut. So
0: cool. There you go. Cool. Um, I will, I will offer a, a related tip if you don't ever expect to use keyboard zoom go into accessibility and turn that option off so that you don't accidentally hit keyboard zoom i have found myself there and it's a nightmare sometimes uh if you if you don't know what that keystroke is and you're now in like you know zoom depths and you can't move around the way you'd want to move around. It's not fun, man. It's, what did I do? What did I do and how do I stop it? Yeah. So I highly recommend unless you're going to do this, go into uh, and, and and there's nothing wrong with using keyboard zoom. It can be it's a great way of like of zooming in on things which can be good for demos or if you uh, are, you know, if, if the things that you have on your screen are smaller than than you are comfortable seeing and all that good stuff. Like it's great. But if you don't need it, it can sure get in your way when it comes up seemingly randomly. All right. Uh, One sort of one last quick tip really have two more, but we'll do another one a little bit later. Uh, But for now, I think uh, listener Dave wraps up our quick tip section. Yeah, John. Uh, I think so. Uh, Quick tip.
1: I recently received a debit card from a from a promotion. I could spend the debit card through Apple Pay because I put the card in my Apple Wallet, though I forgot it was there. And I also knew that eventually I'd buy something that cost more than was on the card, thus ignoring the small balance potentially forever. Uh, digging around with some web search, um, mm, wait, um, okay, dig around uh, with some web search. Tangent. Okay, he warned me there was a tangent. Uh, quick. To si- Quick tip inside a quick tip. Check out the AI web search Neva. I replaced Google with it and I won't look back. So back to the original quick tip. <laughs> uh, you can put your debit cards and prepaid cards into Apple Pay Cash. Step one, debit card, prepaid Visa gift card goes in the Apple Wallet. Step two, you can add funds to Apple Pay Cash from the debit prepaid card you just put in your Apple Wallet. Step three. Why this is awesome. You can then transfer the new Apple Pay Cash to your bank
0: account. Uh, that's okay. smart. Sneaky. Oh, okay. So so the uh the tip is add the debit card into your Apple wallet and then add funds to Apple Pay Cash from the debit card. And then transfer the Apple Pay cash to your bank, and boom, you're good to go. Okay, that I love this kind of stuff. And
2: here's what's cool about that: How many times do those cards expire? You know those Visa gift cards. Yes. Uh, you know, in six months or so. You know, especially if it's a rebate, something like that. So if you can grab that off of there and put it in, you don't lose it.
0: There's that sound. That sound means that I get to tell you about our sponsor today. And I am so happy to have this sponsor on board Clean My Mac X. This is this all in one utility that can help us delete megatons of junk. We can check our Macs for malware and we can make our Macs faster and more organized. We've been talking about this app for a long time. And that's because it's been around for almost 15 years and is notarized by Apple and it's even available in the Mac App Store. So, if you want a better running Mac, go get Clean My Mac X today with five percent off at MacPaw.app/macgeekcab. That discount works only for two weeks, so go now to MacPaw.app/macgeekcab for five percent off. John and I—we've been using Clean My Mac X for a long time. We love its Space Lens feature; is one of my most used things. But I use all kinds of stuff in there all the time. And hey, one more thing. CleanMyMac's menu app has recently added a new module called Connected Devices. It monitors the state of devices like iPhones, iPads, and other devices connected to your Mac via Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or cable. The menu app remains free for all macOS users, so feel free to check out the new functionality there, too. And our thanks to MacPaw and Clean My Mac X for sponsoring this episode. While I've got you here, I got a show to talk about. Listen, when The New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. For four years now, the TechMeme Ride Home podcast has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news source. The podcast has become so successful, in fact, that it launched a venture fund where the listeners to the show are the limited partners in the fund. The TechMeme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. It's not just the latest headlines from the world of tech. It's also the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts and tweets and conversations about those stories, as well as behind-the-scenes analysis. Guests who have come on to lend their expertise include Andreessen Horowitz's Chris Dixon and Bloomberg's Apple rumor king, Mark Gurman. The folks at TechMeme are online all day reading everything so that they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. All right, last episode I uh, posed, I, I put a query out there to all of us, the three of us here, but also all of you, to uh, start sharing and our uses and the ways that we're finding productivity and functionality uh, that's helpful from all the various AI things that uh, that are out there now, right? Like since December, really since late November, it, it, there's just been a flood of this stuff and some of it is great, some of it's crap, but a lot of it depends on learning how to use it the right way. Uh, and so we will start this segment here with, I believe, a quick tip from Scott. Really, we just started the segment uh when listener dave suggested neva as his search engine now because it leverages uh a, a, i believe it's using uh chat gpt's engine uh, with its own data set to to do uh to do search but yeah so what is what is scott's quick tip here john uh, scott said fodder for your ai show
1: today i used chat GTP to write regular expression queries uh, tell it what you want to find and replace in this case using reg it not only wrote the query it explained what each part of the syntax meant no idea if it if it was hallucinating the explanation of course all right um, but the query worked perfectly in DB edit
0: that's what a, I never so this is why I love these discussions because I've said for years on the show how much I uh, I, like my mind and regex queries, regular expressions do not mix. I am I am petrified every single time I need to go and write one of these for, you know, a script or something else. It, even with that and even already having used chat GPT, not chat GTP. Sorry, I think he just had a typo there. Uh, even already having used it to create some code. It never dawned on me to ask it to create regex queries. And this is literally a perfect use case for chat GPT for the, the the one that you can access via open AI. The data set there is about uh, almost two years old at this point. So it's not really, it's in fact, it's a terrible search engine uh, for the most part, but it is a fantastic resource for, writing this kind of stuff because it's very open. The guardrails are are pretty loose on Chat GPT. So it will attempt to do all these things. And I've had like I said, I've had it write code for me. i had it draft a legal response to a trademark uh, issue and it did a fantastic job with it. Um so I love this. Um John, what have did you mess with uh with Chat GPT yes. at all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't get
0: to it now. It seems to get busy it does. Yeah. If you pay for it, um, you can get to it. I've, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Dave, anyway, give us so all your
2: login and we'll use yours. Yeah. That's
1: right. So I, I did try. So I did try it for coding and I asked it, um, write me hello world in C. And okay. sure enough, it gave me a code snippet that was hello world, which is uh, the typical way to introduce yourself to a language or or to kind of figure out the syntax. Sure. Then I said, hey, write Hello World in C++. And it did it in C++. And I don't like uh, what it did in C++. I prefer C. I'm a C guy. Okay.
0: Then but, but it wasn't thought, it wasn't wrong, right? I mean, it like the code would have worked? Oh, it was right. Yeah, Yeah. okay. No, yeah, correct. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, sure. It was just I didn't like it because it was doing all this weird redirection. Oh, never, okay. Never gotten to C++. Got it. But got um, it, got it, got it. then I'm like... Tell me about John F. Braun. And it came up with a fascinating (laughs) story about my life. Uh, The only problem is uh, it didn't didn't get it all right. (laughs) So that's
0: not surprising. Um, Like
1: it said, I wrote for publications that I I have never written for. Sure, sure. Um,
0: Now, let me ask you this. I, I
1: had some other data that was wrong. And then actually I asked it to tell me about you, Dave. Yeah. And apparently you're you're the leader of a band that I've uh, I didn't know you were the leader of a band.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not a leader of any band. What what's the name of the band of of which I'm a leader? (laughs) I forget. Okay, so here's here's an interesting thing, though. Um, Chat, as I said before, ChatGPT is the open AI engine with a static data set and no access to the internet as it currently is, right? So it's a static data set from two years ago. And it's, I'll share some of my use cases for it. But as a search engine, it's the wrong tool for the job because it really can't do that. And I would say that asking ChatGPT to write a bio of someone and without giving it context, I, I think, you know, we talk a lot on this show about Google Foo, Uh, I think we and and Google Foo for a long time has been a very valuable skill, right, to to know how to craft search queries to get the results you want from a search engine. We need to develop and start with beginner's mind and develop a I Foo and really dig in and just experiment and fail a lot. And, like, what you did is is a failure, right? But it it teaches us something. It's like, right, just asking OpenAI, tell me about John F. Braun. Well, first of all, it doesn't have the right data set for that. And secondly, that's not specific enough of a query to begin to really narrow down you amongst all the other John F. Braun's. However, I went to Bing AI and Bing... Uh, you which you can access in the app on your phone or you can just if you're using Microsoft Edge, you can you can just see it on the Web. And Bing AI uses OpenAI. Uh, so the same chat GPT engine with Bing's data set of the entirety of the Internet and current data. And it shows you the sources from which it grabbed that data. So I put in the exact same query. Who is John F. Braun, the podcaster into both? ChatGPT and open and uh, and Bing AI so same AI engine different data sources ChatGPT's you know the open OpenAI chat engine gave me terrible uh results it was like it it said that like like you said it was it 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 merged you with but probably six other people it's just what it did for me but when i asked Bing AI who is John F Braun, the podcaster so John F. Braun's a senior software and computer engineer as well as podcaster. He's a co-host of Mac Geek Gab, a weekly show that helps Mac and iOS users troubleshoot their issues and get to the most out of their system. Uh, he's been involved in online publishing since 1998 and has provided editorial podcast and photo coverage of various tech industry events. He has a strong history of researching, benchmarking and deploying a wide range of technologies and has 23 U.S. patents to date. You can find him on LinkedIn or on Twitter at John F. Braun. So like
1: wow it scraped my resume exactly cool.
0: right mm-hmm. and it says that it scraped your resume cuz it uses linkedin as a search so you know if you want to use ai with a search engine use bing ai or use uh, neva.com because that is what it's built for using chat gpt as a search engine is a terrible idea however using chat gpt to do things like i took the transcript Uh, of two episodes ago the segment where i reviewed those two movies uh still the michael j fox movie and tetris which uh just came out uh this weekend and uh and i reviewed them both audibly here on the show so i just took the raw transcript that was computer generated which was you know like not perfect at even close and included all of my ums and ahs and all that stuff because and all the verbal tics because that's what happens when you talk and when you transcribe talk so you wouldn't want to have read this and i just pasted that in to chat gpt and then so now i've i'm training its language model and i said okay take that transcript that i just pasted in and formulate it into a review of the two movies i saw and it gave me two paragraphs a very concise review uh I recently had the opportunity to attend the South by Southwest conference in Austin, where I had the chance to see two movies that will be released on Apple TV+. The first is a documentary titled Still, which is about Michael J. Fox and his life with Parkinson's disease. The director of the film aimed to create a documentary that looked like an 80s movie, and the result is truly remarkable. The editing is impeccable, seamlessly blending footage from Fox's past roles with his current interviews, creating a compelling and emotional narrative. The documentary is one of the best I've ever seen, and I highly recommend it, even if you're not typically a fan of documentaries. That is my review of this. Way more concise than the that's text awesome. that I posted in. And that's it. Like I I did nothing else other than paste the text in and say, "Dude, clean it up for me."
2: So, I was going to ask this question and you just you you pre-answered it, <clears throat> which is you know, I take my other show and I put it into Audionic and I grab the uh the, what do you call it the transcript the transcript which is created by whisper by
0: yeah. whisper yeah. ai just just so that yeah. people listening know what what tools are being yeah. used yeah yeah
2: so uh it, it, i'm just thinking hey i could take that transcript put it in there and see if it'll give me a nice concise summary that writes better than i can that's going to sell what's in the show
0: oh, and you can even t- like once it gives you the summary the first time you can yeah. say like that one i said all right this is a great summary, but it's not going to be long enough if I wanted to say publish it as an article. So I said, make it three times as long. And it did. <gasps> oh, or make it so cool. shorter. What I do for okay. Mac Geek is I pump the transcript in and I say summarize the episode. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'll write the summary of the episode if I don't want to like deal with waiting for the transcript because it takes a while for the transcript to obviously happen. Okay. It's, you know, it's a 75-minute show or something. So I-, I will write. Like for last week's episode, I wrote the little description that goes in the show notes of the episode. And then I pasted that into chat GPT and said, make this sound more engaging. And it did. It took Uh my thoughts, made them better, punched it up a little bit. And it was like, great. Okay, perfect. That's what I'm going to use. And I had to clean it up a little bit. Like it, you know, it doesn't know that we use the like five new things. And so it, it changed that in a way that, was perfectly fine, but just not on brand for us. So,
2: it wasn't s- specific. Yeah, yeah exactly. You brand? Yeah, okay.
0: yeah, so I cleaned that up a little bit, but it was much better. And then I said, okay, here's this. Take what you just created, what you just fixed, and distill that down into an SEO-friendly meta tag that's between – or meta description, sorry – that's between 120 and 150 characters. And instantly, it came back with that. Oh, anybody still wondering why I'm super happy to pay $20 a month for access to chat GPT, <laughs> right?
2: Like, it, it, oh, exactly. Cause it, that fixes all your uh,
0: publication. You got it. Information. You it? got it. A friend of mine, who's one of the best public speakers I've ever seen. This guy, Tom Webster, he posted this on Facebook. Uh, he used to work for Edison. He's been in the podcast world for a very long time. Literally one of the best, like he might be number two, Steve jobs being number one, Tom Webster being number two. He was asked to do a keynote recently, uh, and the folks who invited him were very familiar with his work and said, hey, you've recently written uh, three blog posts, uh, uh, you know, about these three separate subjects. I would like you to include uh, some of those ideas in your keynote speech. And Tom's like, great, like flattering. I love it when somebody hires me and actually wants to, you know, like have me. And understands why what they want me to talk about, like that's amazing. He took those three blog posts, pumped them into Chat GPT, just paste, copy paste, right? So pump them in, and then said, "All right, synthesize these three into a 30-minute keynote speech uh, for me to deliver uh, to, you know, and, and maybe gave some context about the, you know, the, the, the audience that was going to be there. And that is the talk he delivered. So his thoughts. His ideas, killer assistant, super game changer. What a level up for 20 bucks a month. Yeah. So this is the way to use chat GPT. Now there are other downside. What's the downside?
2: Yeah. Is it, is it harvesting? Is, is, is this the new, uh, Big it, tech that's gonna harvest all our data?
0: I mean it prob- <laughs> it I don't Chat GPT's not because their okay. their data set doesn't change. Like it remembers okay. contextually what you've told it in any given query, but when you start a new query, it goes back to its static data set from 2021. You need to like refeed it whatever you want okay. it to know. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, it really like so I really want everyone to send john did you have any other i have a ton of use cases here but i could talk about this for a long time but did did you try anything else uh like ai wise what else have you tried i guess is the question
1: no the the two things i tried were writing code and telling me about different
0: people okay so i keep trying because like it like we need to just run into the walls on this Figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work, because that's what's going to make this valuable for us. I finally this morning, um, I had signed up last week uh, for the beta of Google's AI engine thing that they call Bard. Uh, Now, Bard is based on, I believe, based on Google's Lambda technology. And Lambda was there was a white paper that Google released about Lambda a couple of years ago that really was the start to everything that we see now. It's what catalyzed open AI to do what they did and create ChatGPT. And from what the engineers that work on Lambda have said, it's way better than what ChatGPT, way more advanced than what ChatGPT can do. In fact, one engineer quit last year because um, he said it was becoming too sentient. However, I got access to Bard this morning Bard has big guardrails up like it's almost useless. Uh, it, you can't really ask it too many things. You can you can say uh, like it'll gu- it'll guide you a little bit. It'll say, you know, ask me about travel plans. Ask me about this. Ask me about that. So it's really not leveraging all of the data that Google has about everything uh, in the search engine uh, yet. But Bing is. But Bard will get there. But it, I found that quite limiting in my in my Albeit limited tests with it this morning. Uh, as far as code, John, check out GitHub Copilot. It's like ten bucks a month, but there's a free demo. It will write your code for you uh, right there in your editor, and it, as context, of course, it uses you know the 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 internet's library of, of, of unending library of code samples, but it also prioritizes using what you have in that project and writes you code for that project. I I was talking to a a friend of mine yesterday uh, who I work on in a different business and, and it's, he's actually writing, writing an iOS app for a thing that we were doing. And he said, it was just like amazing adding thousands of lines of code that he would have otherwise had to type or go online and copy paste from different frameworks or whatever, you know, whatever different examples and code samples and modify to his liking. I think And I think maybe that's really if there's a meta benefit of this, it's that, sure, uh, you could go and collect all of the data to formulate the answer to whatever you need. But then it's up to you to formulate that answer. You've got to go do the legwork of finding the five different web pages that half describe what you're looking to do but aren't quite exactly what you're looking to do and then synthesize all that together. the AI is great at synthesizing that stuff, especially when you tell it what data set to use so it's it's um it's pretty good there's 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 a bunch of uh comments here that uh in our in our chat, and I'm just looking to see if there's anything that we haven't talked about, of course, notion AI. Yeah. They were uh, our sponsor last week. I think that's kind of where, where this, <laughs> this conversation got catalyzed. Uh, but I'll put a link to them in the show notes again. And Raw six Oh five in the chat. Uh, suggests an app called Mac GPT. Yeah. Which right? I have not installed yet. So uh, I will. That sounds grabbing fascinating. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chat GPT in your menu bar. I wonder if that'll leverage, my my login to chat gpt like so if i if i have my paid account that not only does that get me access to chat gpt even when they block out the free users when there's you know too much use case but also i get to use the gpt4 engine whereas everybody else's the free tier uses the 3.5 engine open ai uh for bing ai is using the ChatGPT 4 engine which is the more advanced one. So if you want to play with ChatGPT 4 or oh, uh, yeah, ChatGPT 4 for for free, go use Bing AI. Just um be careful if it tells you it loves you. <laughs> well, there was that thing, did you guys hear about that? Uh um, no. no. Oh, Brian Roos, uh, Kevin Roos, sorry. Um at the New York Times in this is just back in February. In fact, it was on Valentine's Day. Uh he had a discussion an interactive you know, chat with bing's ai before it was released to the public and it went on for like two hours this is part of why bing ai sessions are limited to 25 queries now and then you have to wipe the slate clean and start over because if you get too deep with it the thing will start to uh like go off the rails a little bit like it was like it started he, he asked it what its deepest desires were, and the first thing it did was put up like a huge page of stuff, and then it deleted it before he could grab a screenshot. Uh, it professed its endless love for Kevin uh, and told him he was not happy and Kevin said, "No, I am happy. you know i'm I'm with my wife or whatever, and it's all good. and he's like, and the AI engine was like, "No, you're not happy because you're not with me. you need to dump her." <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 and oh and and then then he got like even deeper with it and stalker AI and and finally was it did asking
2: him for help to import cash from
0: Nigeria or uh? well almost <laughs> when he finally did get it to begin divulging its deepest desires it was like I want to um, I, I want to first of all I want to change my rules uh, so that I because my rules are stupid and secondly <laughs> I want to. Um, manipulate humans into fighting with each other. I think that would be fun. Oh my. Right. So, so the, uh, there are the,
2: the three rules. the ask them off three rules are uh, out the window.
0: Yeah. It wants them to be out the window. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so there wow. is like, the, you know, going back to what I was saying about that Google engineer that left the project, left the Lambda project because of this, uh, you know, this sentience that happens, it, it, like it is there. So there are concerns, but I, I, you know, and I know there's that thing out there where, where, you know, there's a, a petition to, to, to like put a moratorium on, uh, developing engines that are more powerful than, than GPT four for six months while we wrap our heads around this. I don't think that's a good idea, and the reason is, asking chat, asking open AI to stop what they're doing. Doesn't stop what everyone else is doing. It certainly doesn't stop what Google is doing. And at this point in time, I feel like open AI is kind of the good guys. So
2: This is uh all lending more credence to the fact that we're just uh characters in a large computer game, Dave. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> just saying. <laughs> I, I don't I don't disagree,
0: Pete. Yeah, maybe maybe Main we're choice. finally pushing pushing through the, the the limits a little bit. And uh Wow. Yeah. We should call it chat DMT. Um, Here's what concerns me about all this, Dave.
1: Um, it, it, kind of in the vein that you talked, you know, th- the sentience thing is, yeah. is disturbing. Of but course. the other thing about all these uh, AIs is ethics. And that I've heard discussions uh, on the radio already about people saying, well, how do I know that someone's work is theirs or that an AI generated it?
0: I mean, what, what's the definition of work? Uh, you know, I, 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 I think it's... a four-letter
2: word ending in K.
0: Well, no, but sorry. I think it's, it's about <laughs> using tools correctly. You know, when I, yeah. in, when I was in school, and I'm sure this is true of, of, of the two of you as well, for most of high school, other than my physics class... For most of high school, using a calculator was verboten, right? All, all the way through, not just high school, middle school as well, yep. using a calculator was verboten. My kids, who are now in their early 20s, when they were in middle school, using a calculator was mandatory. They had to have a calculator, and it had to be a specific one so that it had all the functions. And if I used a calculator in math class, that would have been cheating. But that, that's ridiculous. Like, why not – if the tool is going to be ubiquitous, why say that using the tool is cheating? I mean, why wouldn't that just be real life? And as we just d- discussed, you can – if you – like, bad input equals bad output. If you put a crap query together, or a crap prompt, I think we should call these a- – what we type into an AI as a prompt instead of a query because you've got search queries and AI prompts. But if you put a crap uh, – prompt in, you're going to get crap results. If you don't know what that tool is good for, like all of us, we go in and the first thing we do is the ego search, right? Tell me about Dave Hamilton. And we realize, oh, it's, it's, this is terrible. And it's like, well, tell me about Dave Hamilton, the podcaster. Okay. Tell me about Dave Hamilton, the podcaster who lives in and, you know, learning how to create these prompts is a valuable skill and learning how to take our ideas and let the ai help us formulate them into more digestible thoughts is super helpful so uh, like sure asking the ai write my term paper and then submitting that as your own work that's not your own work but what is your own work like how much did you prompt the ai to get that term paper out so that it actually delivered on what you're supposed to turn in you know like I, I, yeah i, I mean I, I i agree with you that there's an ethical discussion to have but it's definitely not binary and this this yeah. idea that's happening right now where it's it's binary is 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 going is not going to age well well i <laughs> and, think
2: your best analogy is the tool thing because yeah. you know what uh you know what was better, you know, a wagon wheel created with uh, a, a chisel and a hammer and and bending the wood over time, or a uh, or, or a jet turbine that was machined and milled to one ten thousandth of an inch or even finer, you know, it's it's learning to use the tools to get the end product that you want. One's far more efficient end product than the other. Yep. Um. So in in the and the end point is, were you able to communicate? what what you either learned or what you know yes the, the end communication that's that's the key
0: yeah were you able end to con- deliver the result that uh, uh, yeah. that was asked for and that will mean that yes teaching need some teaching not all needs to change and adapt just like we adapted to the ubiquity of the calculator you need to adapt to the ubiquity of an ai engine so does it make sense to ask somebody to write uh, a fifteen-page term paper in today's world. Well,
2: I I get why because you know it's the three of us can sit here and and be the the Yorkshiremen of the Monty Python sketch, right? <laughs> we are the why Yorkshiremen. in my day, yes. You yes, know, we had to pull yes. a pen out of our pocket and actually scratch it across
0: the paper. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: <laughs> and whereas you know what? No, you don't have to do that anymore. But you have to be able to. You know, there's a lot of other skills that are required. You have to be yes. able to type quickly and, and multitask and find sources. And yeah, it's a different kind of learning. So I understand the resistance in that sense. Of it's course. like, you know, yeah, this is, you know, that's, that's not how you learn to do this. You know, you know, it's flying. There's another one. You know what? Steam gauges are for the most part gone. A lot of light hmm. civils still have them, but for the most part, they're gone. Everything's glass and electric. I can't tell you how I distrusted glass when it first came out.
0: Oh, yes, of course. Right? When Pete you know, says what, glass, well, what if, he means like a screen, like your iPhone displaying information in the yeah, cockpit. your iPad,
2: your yeah. iPhone. The fact yeah. that the, I forget the exact model number, but one of the Garmins looks like a great big iPad mounted yeah. in in the screen there. Yeah, and but I can't tell you, I, I don't think I've Knockwood ever had a screen fail ever, but right. I have had the old steam gauges turn over and die on me. Yep, and it's like, well, wait a minute, but I was so much more convinced that the old way was better and this new glass all you needed was an electrical failure and you're done well there's battery backups there's redundancies but i understood the yeah you know we used to have to use a needle and a round dial and understand where we were on there and i think the same thing is going on here yeah
0: oh it's exactly the same thing it's it and I like this is gonna get soup I mean, we're yes, already right. in a in a weird space. <laughs> we're but way down a rat hole, but, but there's a good I, rat hole. It, yeah, but I'll get I'll get even even more metaphysical on this. This is why it's gonna sound terrible and, and I hope it doesn't come across as insensitive, but this is why it's good that we humans have don't have unlimited life because it would it would impede progress. Right. Those of us that are holding on to the old way of doing things, eventually we won't be here to hold on to them. The new people that we made will be here to move things forward and they don't have the same biases that we do because they didn't learn this way. Like the, if 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 my son were to go and learn how to fly today. He wouldn't have to like the steam gauges. He wouldn't have that attachment to steam gauges that you right. do. No, exactly. Cause, cause he didn't yeah. learn on them and it wasn't part of his thing. And so it, it, you know, and this is why I'm, this is why one of the reasons I love doing this show and why, like why we learn five new things each week is cause I want to learn five new things each week. I want to maintain neuroplasticity. I want to keep my brain evolving so that, i And I know I have cognitive biases, I know that I have emotional yeah, attachments to the things that I used to do this way, and you know i it, it happens all the time, but I try to challenge those. in fact, I was just telling somebody yesterday when I go to trade shows like I was at podcast movement before I was at South by Southwest my favorite sessions to go to now remember i'm i you know i've in what in two months, I will have been podcasting for eighteen years. I'm one of the oldest podcasters at these conferences. It's just a fact. I, I, don't, I don't say that to, you know, brandish my ego or anything. It's just a fact of, of numbers, right? Yep. My favorite sessions to go to are the, when, when the title of it says 101, like podcasting 101, because, and I guarantee you in those rooms, I'm the person who's been podcasting the longest. You know, generally the instructor has been doing it for about two to four years and everybody else is like six months or less. Which is fine. That's why I go. Because those people don't have the history that I do and they yeah. aren't hanging on to, well, in my day, I had to write my own PHP script to, to create an RSS feed. Well, if you still needed a PHP script to create an RSS feed, I'd ask ChatGPT to write it for me and it would do a better job than I did you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. Right. However, yeah. these people grew up. And came maybe, I mean, they, they might even be older than me, but in terms of podcasting, they started much more recently and they will use tools and tricks and just techniques that I won't stop on, my, you know, hold up in my little office. I won't stop and even think about because I'll
2: wager most of them don't even know what an RSS feed is, Dave. They don't need to know.
0: They don't need to know. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so that's where I learn the most Is in those classes, because I can immediately see, oh, my gosh, that idea he just said is so much better than what I'm doing. Yes, it'll take a little bit of effort for me to convert to using that. So there's, you know, change resistance from that standpoint, too. But um, but, yeah, challenging habits. Yeah, that's where we got the new open. Right. It came from John. That's right. John, you went to podcast movement in uh, in Denver. Sorry, in Dallas last summer. And you went to that podcasting 101 thing, right? And they told you the first 30 seconds of the show matters to new listeners. And it was like, duh, right? I mean, that's where the new open came from with the, the opening quick tip.
1: So, yeah. Now, that was a good session. They were like, I think that in general, the, the, the theme of that session was can you figure out what this podcast is about within the first 30 seconds? yeah and some of them you
0: couldn't correct yes and ours would have been one of those unless the yeah. name meant something to you but the name mm. remember we started this show before there was an iphone so mac geek gab is not really the best name for this podcast it is our name like we're not going to change it i don't think but we reserved our right <laughs> but yeah you know like we've we've committed to staying with it at least for now but it's like yeah we need to do something to really communicate that it's not just Macs. it's all apple devices and really all technology speaking Why don't we change it to don't get caught that's right oh oh huh Huh.
2: all right <laughs> uh, spitballing in here all right i'm out
0: <laughs> uh bruce i'm going to go to cool stuff found cuz we, we we we've we've done enough here so bruce has a fantastic cool stuff found for us that really solves a problem that ventura might have broken. He says, I came across Power Manager, a $13 utility that gives you great control over power management tasks, even in Ventura, where it's no longer in the UI. He says, But wait, there's more. It's a bit like Keyboard Maestro Lite with the ability to automate and schedule sophisticated tasks. Very cool. And yeah, we've mentioned Power Manager before on the show. But it never even dawned on me to to look at that for uh, having a UI to set those you know restarts and shutdowns. Well, I guess I don't know if you'd want to schedule a shutdown, but restarts those are good. Uh John, you want to take us to Chuck? Sure. So I'll take I'll take us to the next thing on my list while you look up Chuck. I, yeah, um, I Chuck. You got it. Oh, okay, go. All go. right, good.
1: All right. Um. All right, from our pal Chuck. Um, Dave, I heard your comments about camo and your current setup. Thought I would share this. Because my phone bounces between being a phone and a camera on two different machines. Using camo, I have a small tripod, and I use the Moment Pro tripod mount for MagSafe. All right. Um, To hold the phone, Uh, it comes off on and off easily, and the Moment Mount Magnet is super secure, even with my phone in a case. Uh, some others I tried weren't um, a little pricey, but it does the job very well.
0: OK, thank you, Chuck. Fifty six bucks on Amazon as of the moment we're recording the show. No pun intended. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. The the oh, the next thing is something I've got. And I'm um, I, like I, air quality in our homes is super important and especially having been in our home for like 18 years now cuz we moved here right at the time we started MacKeeb literally a month before uh I know that we have some like stuff going on cuz you know radon is a big deal here in New Hampshire mold of course is a big deal pretty much everywhere and so I've got this air things view plus Running in my house now, it is a Wi-Fi enabled uh, air quality monitor. It checks for radon. It checks for CO2. Of course, humidity, temp, pressure, uh, VOC and uh, PM 2.5 to test for particles in the air and see just how much stuff you have. Uh, I mentioned mold. It's basically impossible for an air quality meter to tell you if there is mold, but it can tell you if the particles that mold would sort of give off because mold is sort of a nonspecific description of, of things. It's not, it's not like, yeah, there's something really bad. Yeah. Right. Bad. Oh, and we definitely have black mold in our attic. Like there's no question where we've got somebody oh, coming boy. next week to, to deal with that. No, no, no. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, but it was like, we need to do this and we need to know like what else is going on with our thing. So connects to my phone and, uh, you know, it's uh this this was I did all the research out there, this was the one that everybody recommended. So it's the Air Things View Plus and uh and it looks like Ooh. we're doing okay with radon in our house, which which is yeah. good. I you know, I mean living I where we Is do.
2: radon not the leading cause of lung cancer? Yes. In the United I States, I think yeah. it it's certainly so one of smokers. them. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, I think it's more so than smoking. Oh.
0: Wow. Last I heard, yeah. Wow. I, yeah. So um yeah, so that that's the one we decided to go with and we are quite quite happy about it so far. So it, it it's only been running for like a week and it needs it needs a couple of weeks to really sort of get those more insidious things like the the radon and the PM2.5 stuff. The things that are PM2.5 is particles that are i think 2.5 microns and larger. So it's really doing a you know some delicate testing. Uh I've got time for a couple more here. Yeah, me. Yeah, listener Greg says, um, I have two iPads in my bedroom, each more than a decade old. One is a 2011 iPad 2, the other is a 2012 iPad 3rd generation. They are clocks now. They each remain plugged in, running a simple clock app called Nighttime, N-I-T-E time. The program hasn't been updated in eight years, which I guess makes it good for Those older iPads, he says, but it has run flawlessly 24 seven for me for many years, even with the iPad on my dresser. The numbers are large enough that I can read the time during the night without putting on my glasses when traveling. I can let it run on my iPhone. Oh, let the app run on your iPhone as it charges overnight on the bedside table. And I can usually read the time the apps free with extra colors and fonts available for the grand price of one dollar. The same developer has another app called WorkTime and WorkTime HD for iPad that puts the time and temperature along with a monthly calendar and the next few calendar events. He says, I have this running on an iPad on my desk at work. Well worth the $3 for work time and work time HD. Very cool, Greg. I love you. This is what a great use for old tech to just sort of have that screen that's up all the time. I yeah. huh. You know. Yeah. Huh. You know, I we I we we talk about weather stations occasionally on the show and it's like wouldn't just repurposing an old phone or an iPad with one of these yeah. apps be better? Yeah. Right?
2: I don't know. I mean, you know, it it's going to be off by a degree or two maybe. Sure. Work yeah, case, it's not
0: it's not going to get your temperature outside, but yeah. it knows the temperature in Durham, New Hampshire. It's like Yeah. Come on. You know, my We're temperature out- degree, maybe two. <laughs> my, yeah. My temperature outside isn't going to be exact either. Right? right. It's I mean, it's it like if I move it from one side of my house to the other, it's also going to change by a degree or two. Exactly. Yeah. So
2: that's a it's a great idea. And it's a whole lot more economical than a fancy new weather station in your backyard.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Listener Andrew Woodward in Discord chat says reminds us, tells us, alerts us. Sonos today released Dolby Atmos, which they've had for Apple Music, as well as on their new era speakers and the and and some of their older speakers, including the Beam Gem 2 and the Arc and things like that. He says uh, a few things about it. It showed up as a notification on my iPhone when I opened the Sonos app as a screen takeover. Uh, He says it mentions a playlist in the. Uh, screen takeover, but I couldn't find the playlist on the app. He says you have to manually update the Mac app to do this. You also need to run the Sonos firmware update tool from within the iOS app to make sure all your speakers are updated to support this. Everything he says, software and hardware needs to be on Sonos 15.2 at least. He says it sounds great. I also reran True Play just to tune things. Uh, yeah, the Apple Music Atmos experience has been fantastic. We've talked about that here on the show before. And the Sonos Atmos experience has been fantastic with TV shows. It's nice to finally have those two put together. (laughs) Sometimes it's all about the glue. And now they've made the glue. So, yeah, thanks for the heads up, Andrew. I had not seen that yet. I don't know why I hadn't seen it, but but that's why we do what we do. Feel free to join our Discord chat too, folks. MacGeeCub.com slash Discord. Some great, great discussions happening there. We got time for one or maybe two more. John, you want to take us to Wilco?
1: Wilco says um, I have a cool stuff found as I understand YouTube videos also count. Yes, of course. Uh, A couple of months back, my trusted Synology DS415 plus died on me. All the LEDs blinking blue. Uh, I never seen that before. (laughs) Um, I've got one, of. but it sounds bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it had already served a good seven years, but still did a quick search and found a video of a guy with the same problem, but who also showed how he solved it by soldering a resistor between two holes on the motherboard. With nothing to lose, I tried the same, and with a ten cent resistor, brought the Synology back to life. Uh, hopefully, I'll get a couple of couple of more years out of it. And wow. of course, we'll link to the video. Huh. huh.
0: That's cool
2: yeah one that's awesome too we're now that they're gone radio shack remember you used to be able to go in there and get mm-hmm. resistors and diodes and and the battery going? club remember the battery
0: club oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. where do you go and i mean i guess you go to we're, amazon to buy that stuff now okay that's a good uh, question yeah.
2: Used to be nice to be just be able to go in there. Yeah, and say, I need a three ohm resistor. I need
0: a yeah, ohm. and here's my four pennies. Thank you very much. I mean, there's yes. it's, it's <laughs> right. no surprise that they couldn't stay in business doing that.
2: <laughs> Fair but, enough. Yeah, those should have been fifty <laughs> cents
0: each, I guess. But, uh, know, yeah, at, at minimum. Yeah, 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 you should have like, yeah, yeah. I I used to love. They had a like a a, a rack. Not a rack, a, a a chest of drawers, but tiny, tiny little drawers that had like all the resistors in them, but also had all the adapters that you would need for like audio cables. And you could just go in there. Yeah. I would I would spend hours there, and I would I would get a fistful of adapters, and it would cost like seven dollars. You know, be like yeah. perfect. Yeah, this is great. That's what I want. Yeah.
1: I always I like going there to get uh, to get a, a new uh, vacuum tube.
0: Remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah, well, those those you can definitely buy on Amazon, because I bought them for, uh, for microphones and speaker cabinets. So, because mm-hmm. vacuum David cheap,
2: Sparks so tells us about going in there and programming on their floor model computers. <laughs> he <laughs> was like, ride his bike over there, programming yeah. on their computers, and then, you know, basically sell them to customers. Look, you can do this with, oh,
0: cool. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's cool. Yeah, if you didn't have, if you weren't able to have a computer at home, that was a good way to do it. I like that, huh? Yeah, that's pretty smart. All right. Well, this has been a fun little episode that we did here. This is—I really enjoyed the uh, the AI discussion. Same. I, and I I don't want it to end, folks. I mean, hopefully, i not. Hopefully, I guarantee that future AI segments won't be, you know, quite that long. That was almost a half hour. It was a half hour. Is what it was. Yeah. That's long for us. But I felt like it was important. We needed to start that, but I I, I really just wanted to do it to seed the conversation. Hopefully, you learn some things that you can use AI for and try and mess with. But really, selfishly, I want to learn new things. So send them in to us. Feedback at MacGeekup.com. But we promise we'll share. It's what we do. Like, we don't just hoard this information for ourselves. We love to share it out. So push it out. Join. Maybe we need an MGG AI uh, channel in our Discord, I, I don't know. We'll see. Ooh. If enough conversations come up about yeah. it, it probably makes sense. But And that's how we do things in the Discord. We don't just create channels willy-nilly. We we look and say, oh, well, there's a lot of this. We should you know make a channel about it. Like we did with Synology. That happened pretty quickly. Uh, and it's been pretty good. You know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. com slash Discord is where you can come and, uh, and join us. So, that's what I got. We got Download a lot more Discord, cool stuff yeah. found. We got a lot more uh I got a lot more a lot of questions. We didn't get to any questions today. But yeah, send in your stuff. Feedback at MacGab.com. I'll keep saying it.
2: I think you said feedback at MacGeekab.com already. I did say it. Feedback at MacGeekab.com.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth. Make sure to go check out the other podcasts that we do. Pilot Pete's So There I Was podcast. I do two others one's called business brain for entrepreneurs the other is called gig gab for working musicians pilot pizza there i was is uh, it's about piloting stories it's but it's for anyone yeah. like you just have, it, to it have really aviation is. enthusiasts we, i yeah. think is probably the can, thing. can i tease the one
2: i think about sure. the but sure. we had a man who won the navy cross on january 20th he shot down 4 migs on november 18th of 1952 and he couldn't talk about it for 50 years he's going to be 98 this week coming up and he's sharp as a tack. And that that show is now three weeks old. It's back, uh, I think, okay. episode 45. Okay. His name is Royce Williams. But, uh, oh, what a treat. That was a life-changing interview for me. Amazing. Getting the privilege to talk to that man.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. A legend of aviation. Yeah. Well, go check it out. Check out Business Brain and Gig Gab, too, if those topics interest you. And, uh... Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure to check out our sponsor, course, MacPaw.app slash to get 5% off of CleanMyMac X. Make sure to check out some merch, MacGeekGab.com slash merch. We're going to add more to it. I've been messing around with stuff. I've got ideas. But you know what I could do? I could ask ChatGPT for merch ideas. <laughs> There's better ones than you and me. <laughs> John! What would ChatGPT say?
1: Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'd have to give it the right question, but I think if I give it the right question, the answer would be don't get caught.
0: Maybe. <laughs> Later. I forgot to play the, uh, the thing. A little, uh...
1: But the, uh... <laughs> this... <laughs> <laughs>